we're right smack dab in the middle of uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Maybe. True. Uh, yeah. True. <laughs> So the, the topic we're going to talk through today a little bit is on patching and software updates and all things important to uh, um, keeping uh, keeping your system secure. Uh, Jeff, pick on you for a minute. Um, when, you, when we uh, talk about software updates and, and patching and so forth, you know, talk about talk about it from a personal aspect, you know, your own PCs and laptops and, and Macs, whatever your preference is. Um, how do you how do you uh, how do you approach it just from a personal perspective? Now you're more technical maybe than the average person out there, but uh, how do you how do you uh, approach it? Well, <clears throat> that's a good question. So per, me personally, I hate being Microsoft's beta tester. So um, and Apple, right? So I, I I have sort of a dual mentality about it because on the one hand, you know, I, I'm aware that there are people out there that are definitely out there exploiting vulnerabilities in my iPhone and, and my PC at home. Um, so I get that. Um, on the other hand, I rely, hopefully rely, on the defenses that I built around my networks with encryption, with the firewalls that I have. And I, I usually have a VPN running constantly. So my ISP usually thinks I'm either in Denmark or Saudi Arabia, one of the two. Um, <laughs> But that being said, um, I like to patch my systems. I, I don't let Microsoft do it automatically. Um, I tend to wait until the updates are ready. I like to actually look and see what's happening. Um, and same with, with Apple. I'm usually one or two iOS versions behind the curve just because, you know, it's been publicly known in the past. Uh, I think it's better now for Microsoft. It wasn't, it's not the case as much anymore. But, you know, Apple... It's not the best track record, as far as I'm concerned, of, of releasing patches for iOS and for all the devices that are perfect. So, And I wouldn't expect them to be perfect, but I don't want them to break my stuff either. Um, in my lifetime, I have done some probably foolish things with software before. Uh, in my youth, I used to play with viruses, actually. Um, set them free on my machine and see what they would do to my machine. So I've bricked my Windows machine many times. <laughs> um, so it's not just for me, it's not just about patches. It's about everything. It's about virus definitions. It's about keeping all the applications I have up to date. Um, and I'm pretty religious about it. So personally, you know, I've never, knock on wood, I've never experienced a vulnerability that I haven't myself <laughs> launched. Um, so I think I'm, I've probably done an, a pretty good job of it. And considering my first computer was a Commodore 64 that didn't even have an operating system that could be patched. Um, so far, so good, I think. Brian, I see you smirking over there at Jeff. <laughs> it's the Commodore 64 comment. He's just dating himself. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, well, that's great. That's really great. I know for for me personally, I'm I'm uh, not as uh, technical as Jeff, and I've not uh, purposefully uh, bricked my own laptops and, and computers before. So uh, uh, I know for me, I I I'm not the first one. I don't have an auto update, but I I know I make sure that I check them on a weekly basis at a minimum, and and you know usually 
usually if there's any good news stories about the, about an update out there, they're they're pretty quick to get out there these days. Uh, news stories slash tweets. Um, yeah, <laughs> you can you can define if a tweet is a news story or not, but uh, usually there's some good information out there pretty early on. So Brian, what about you? Yeah, it, you know, echo a lot of what Jeff was saying. It's you know, no, nobody loves to be the yeah, the test dummy for, for Microsoft or anybody. Um, although it seems more nowadays the frequency of, of updates and that, uh, especially given the just the sheer number of applications we're running, whether it's on a desktop, you know, laptop, uh, you know, obviously all the apps on your phone and everything, there's this just constant barrage of updates, and it can be, frankly, overwhelming. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll take a I'll take a little different angle on on things. There's certain apps, you know, my kids will come to me and say, Hey, you know, can I download this app? You know, and, uh, you know, my friend has it or whatever. And one of the things I look at for any of those apps is how often or you know, what was the last update? And you end up seeing some of these apps that haven't been touched since 2018 or 2019. Mm. Um, and they're still out there in the app store. They're still cranking, you know, they, they look really cool and everything, but you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, like a lot's changed, you know, even in, even in a year's time. Um, why aren't these guys, you know, maintaining this app and, you know, how does it remain in the app store? Again, just an example of some of the things I'll look at, you know, and looking at some of that, you know, otherwise, yeah, there's a lot, there's just a, I guess say that barrage of, of updates you get, whether it's Adobe, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, Microsoft or any of the other applications can be a daunting task, but, you know, in the spirit of cybersecurity awareness month and kind of what we're talking about here, um, it's it's vitally important to keep things up to date. You know the the schedule in which you do it and frequency. You know I think you have some control over. Um, as Jeff said, he he's, you know runs a version or two behind. Nothing wrong with that because we've all had Apple updates where they immediately turned around and issued a you know a three dot revision to the one they just released yesterday. And you're like, oops, you know somebody something somebody messed up somewhere. And <laughs> it's like hurry up and download this. It has security fixes. I'm like that was the one yesterday. So you know we're I think it's one of those things we've all kind of become accustomed to, right? Is uh, updates and, and consistently updating. I think the only the only thing I try to pay attention to is there are quite a few applications out there that don't. Uh, I don't say auto update, but they're not going to notify you like, "Hey, there's a new version." Like you have to go look for it. So I think being aware of which ones those are that you might be running um, that aren't as uh, proactive in notifying users uh, about updates. Um, definitely be aware of of applications you have running that uh, that require updates and kind of have to manually go out to the website or, you know, find find that next version out there. So what about from a corporate perspective? You know, I, we, uh, we all live in the world of, uh, of compliance and, and uh, especially in the electric utility space. This is a this is a topic of uh, of interest in the compliance world. But set compliance aside for a minute. Um, how should companies be thinking about uh, systems and updates when, you know, they may have three, four employees, they may have three, 4,000 employees. Um, you know, what, what, uh, what do you experience with uh, organizations like that? Um, one of the big things I've harped on this before, but you know, and I think Jeff kind of alluded to it as well and feel free to chime in, but you know, the testing aspect of it there, you know, I've seen organizations that just, yeah, whatever Microsoft releases, we just basically pass through to everybody's machines and let it, you know, auto update. Like, well, that's, that's a strategy. Um, but we've also seen many instances where, where that's occurred and, you know, it's caused some major issues with either some, some other proprietary applications or something that's running for that organization. So 
for me, you know, the approach, you know, for a lot of the organizations is take that measured approach and, and be deliberate about it, um, especially when it comes to testing. You need, you need to understand what that environment is. You need to understand what applications are running in that environment. And if you have anything even halfway custom or, you know, that even looks that way, making sure that it's not going to break it um, when it's applied. And obviously in industrial control systems, I mean, things are even more sensitive as far as operation. So for me, the, the testing aspect is one of the biggest, biggest pieces to not uh, causing some widespread issues, you know, across an enterprise. Yeah, I, I my birth in SIP was at three different power plants in San Diego. And when I first was introduced to the whole concept of an OT network that's separate from an IT network, where, you know, a corporate environment could be pulling down Microsoft patches whenever they're available. And you know, to Brian's point, they can test them in an enterprise environment, right? They can test them on machines with the same image as the, potentially the one that you're using to check your email, right? Yeah. Um, when I was introduced into the utility space, it kind of rocked my whole world because on the one hand, I knew that Microsoft was releasing patches to various operating systems and applications on a regular basis. <clears throat> what I was not really familiar with at first and, and kind of had to really struggle to adapt the mindset was GE and Emerson can completely control what your patch environment can be. Yep. And <clears throat> it took a while for me to understand like, oh, Microsoft just released vulnerability, blah. Okay, well, it's going to take three weeks for GE to pass it through their systems and make sure that it doesn't break your industrial control system or your turbine system before you get it. Meanwhile, you know, the clock keeps moving forward with additional patches that are being released. So for me, it was always a catch-up game. And, you know, for any utility that I have worked with in the past, I always tell them, give yourself tremendous leeway and, and forgiveness when it comes to SIP 7. Because the patching, to do a patch management program well, is difficult, no matter what. And, and to your point, you know, it doesn't matter if you've got 3,000 people or three. It's, it's all dependent on the environment. It's dependent on your vendors. It's dependent on your support contracts. And it's hard. So I always tell utilities, like, give, be kind to yourselves when it comes to SIP7. It's not an easy thing to pull off well. Mm -hmm. Yep, very true. Let's, let's continue down that path on the compliance side. Um, whether you're an electric utility or uh, oil and gas is heading that way now through the TSA, um, water. Um, there's co compliance obligations as it relates to um, just overall cybersecurity and uh, patch management. How Jeff, you kind of started there, so I'm gonna I'll look at Brian for a minute. When you when these when uh, these utilities um, start there um, are looking at compliance programs and and patching programs and update programs, what are some things that they should think about, Brian? Yeah, Jeff really really hit on it is understanding what's in the environment and what it can what's what's required there um yeah those control system environments whether it's substation otherwise you know a generation plant um you know does things up to and including you know is, is an outage required you know do they need to be you know things need to be offline in order for them to update those systems which is often oftentimes the case and that may occur once a year um you know because these are these are active systems obviously generating and or transmitting electricity so i found it interesting that that a lot of folks uh, especially in the earlier days of SIP and of compliance, like 
didn't have that firm grasp on what's what's in the environment you know what needs to be again to, to Jeff's point is understanding like there's there's a lag you know there's there's a delay um, oftentimes even when you do get the patch from Siemens or GE or Emerson when they've approved it your actual application of that patch in your environment may be even further delayed you know up to months if not years just depending on operations and, and those kind of things so that that to me is the biggest thing from a compliance standpoint is you got to know what you have and believe it or not there still are you know we come across utilities and, and clients where they don't have as firm of a grasp on what's in their environment as as they should by now i mean we've been doing this for how long you know 15 years um plus so some folks still struggle you know whether that be because of employee turnover or just you know poorly documented processes you've got to know what you have um, before you can even start down that path of you know patch management and let alone application and testing well you know in my previous life um when i was looking at entities patch management programs when they struggled or if they fell down when they were trying to meet the mark my biggest piece of advice to them was the mitigation plan is your best friend, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the ability to create a mitigation plan to speak to exactly what Brian just said, right? I can't take my power plant offline because it's August. And if I do, you know, 2 million people are not going to be able to crank on their AC and charge their cars. So you mitigate with a mitigation plan. And you know, you have that flexibility as long as you're maintaining it and updating it to give yourself that flexibility and that space and time to wait it out or to plan it properly so that it doesn't disrupt operations. And I saw a lot of utilities struggle with that. Um, and, and I always seem to go back to, okay, you know, the standard gives you the ability to do this. Um, you do it and then you maintain it and you follow up. And if you do that, then you're giving yourselves that breathing room that you need. Last question I had is uh, if you could talk to all of the software companies out there and give them the, you know, kind of the, the supreme being overview of, boy, what you guys do for updates to the field, um, how, what would you like to say to them? What, what feedback would you like to give to the Microsofts and the Apples of the world when they're giving updates? Hmm. Be nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. Stop writing crappy code. Um, no, I, <laughs> that's the that's the easy answer. But I don't know, Jeff. What would you say? I I got a lot of smart aleck responses to that. But um, I would say, and, and it's not just for the big ones, right? It's not just for Microsoft and Apple. But make it easier to find, download, and track yeah. your patches. I mean, I've seen so many instances where, you know, if it's not off the shelf or if it's off the shelf but it's been customized or even the smaller players in the field, I don't want to have to hunt seven layers deep into your website to get to support, to get to the, I got to fill in a blank to put my name and my email address. on. I Just yeah. provide it, provide it readily available and make it simple because to a point much earlier in the conversation, not everybody who's going to be, whether you're a large utility or a small utility, not everybody who's going to be involved in a patch management program is going to have a long history of IT, you know, wealth of experience. Yep. And even less so probably in the OT space because the OT space is still relatively new. So that would be my supreme being order. Make it easier on people. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, actually, that's that's really good, Jeff. Like thinking about because I like we've all been there trying to find what's the latest version of this and going to the website and oh, you need an account, you need to log in, you need to this, and then you know all to just download a a simple file. Um, the coordination, I, I guess, I'll go down this path, but. One of the things, especially the larger software companies, and, and again, I understand they, they can't do this for everybody all the time, but understanding the criticality of some of the systems that we deal with, um, I would really like to see better coordination between some of the larger software companies, you know, the Microsofts of the world or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call large software, and the industrial control system space, you know, the vendors. Um, because as it stands, as we kind of talked about earlier, um, you know, Patch Tuesday, you know, Microsoft patches come out. It takes Emerson to go to Microsoft's website, like anybody else can, download that patch, and they've got to go through their internal testing process against you know their various versions of, of applications they have running out there. But to be able to, an ideal world, yeah, I would love to see some some sort of coordination uh, between the companies to know that hey, when we do release this patch, it's you know, it's going to be good for Siemens or GE systems or, you know, whatever. Again, perfect world. That's a that's a pretty tall order. But um, it just seems like, hey, here here's some stuff. Take it and, and let us – don't even let us know if it breaks anything. It's like go see, you know, if it breaks something and good luck. You know, that's what it feels like right now. So not, not a lot of communication or coordination. Um, and like I said, obviously can't do that everywhere for every organization. But considering the types of systems and – uh, the consequences of, of you know knocking over you know a substation network or, or generation network um, you think it would warrant some some communication and coordination between uh, between parties there well Jeff and Brian thanks for uh, another good conversation uh, direct connect here at Archer um, if you guys have any questions out there reach out to Brian Jeff or myself happy to have a conversation with y'all yeah absolutely Great thank for you sure thank you cool, not only is Direct Connect available to listen to, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Archer News Network. If you're interested in who we are and what we do, head on over to our website at archerint.com. That's archerint.com. You can also follow us on our social media platforms, Archer International on Facebook, Archer Energy Solutions LLC on LinkedIn, at Archer underscore INTL on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and check back every other week for brand new episodes.